really is a delight to be able to share with you. And uh, do you reckon Paul might have struggled with a bit of loneliness for three days blind? That he might have been doing some pretty hard thinking, having suddenly seen Jesus, the one he'd been trying to work against, showing that he really was Lord and alive, and telling Paul that he had a special plan, or Saul as he was then, for his life. And so I want to share about loneliness, but while we've got the high school kids still here before they all escape, I should just make a comment that high school camp was probably one of the most significant moments in my whole life. I'd made a child commitment as a 10-year-old, but at 16 went to a high school camp and still remember the night. Did they have the kids go out the front when they were being prayed for on Wednesday night? It was the second last night of camp, and I didn't want to go out the front. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just sing the song. And whatever I can sing, I'm going to stay put. <laughs> and I made it to the third verse. <laughs> and then I realized that God was speaking to me as well. So it was a very, very significant moment for me. But loneliness is something we struggle in our human journey. And so let's see what we can learn. It's never easy to bear. And I want to tell you about a nerd who was on the way home from school and he was carrying so many books that when he stepped over the gutter, he didn't see it properly, and they landed on the ground. And a Christian lad was there and raced over and helped him pick them up and carry them home. I'll tell you the rest of that story at the end of our study today. I think you'll enjoy it. But uh, the great people in the Bible also face loneliness. Now, someone was telling me that they've just sold their house and they're moving or they're having to rent in the meantime. How do you think it was for old Abraham when the Heavenly Father said, I want you to leave all that you know, all that is familiar, and go to a different land? Oh, Lord, where am I going? Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you when we get there. You'll know. <laughs> How very reassuring. Yeah, right. Uh, pretty scary thought. But if there's one man in all of the Bible of the Old Testament that I find lonely, struggled with loneliness, I think the story of Joseph has to take the cake. Because I find that uh, he was his dad's favourite, and so that probably meant some measure of jealousy from his brothers, and also that he had, God gave him a special dream that stayed alive for him. And you young'uns who've been at the camp, don't lose the dreams. Some of you have been thinking about being a youth pastor. Some of you have been thinking about serving God. Don't lose your dreams. So, I put all these bits of the story in a sequence on that chain. There was the childhood training, and then there was the betrayal by his brothers who were closest to him in the, uh, in the desert, and then there was the manager of the house when he was employed by Potiphar, and then Potiphar's wife told some lies about him, and he ended up in jail. But then the butler and the baker both had a dream. You know every story's got a butler somewhere in it if there's going to be a bit of mystery to the story. But then he got experience with the public service. Is that relevant if he was going to be a leader? Anybody rocked up to pay with a card and they said it's not working, go away? (laughs) And then Pharaoh had a dream. And Joseph got an amazing promotion from being in the jail to being prime minister in one day. That's quite a promotion. And uh, then there were the seven years of plenty and the seven years of need. And then Israel came, all of them, the whole family, 70, the descendants of Jacob, all came to Egypt. But those years had lots of times of loneliness that he had to work through. So we can learn something from the story of Joseph. It's one of my absolute favorites. So... 
Uh, there are some other people in the Bible who experience loneliness as well. Do you think it was hard for Moses going back to Egypt to tell the Pharaoh that God had said, let my people go? There was a loneliness for Moses, but there was also a loneliness for the next name on the screen. I'm feeling very lonely. Uh, what are we supposed to do when this thing doesn't work, folks? Felt it, okay. Joshua had a dimension of loneliness as he was leading God's people. And here's one you might enjoy. He's looking at Jericho. He's got the troops. And he meets a man who says, and he says, who are you? He gets his sword and he says, uh, you know, are you for us or against us? And the man said, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. I'm the captain of Israel's host. Unforgettable moment for Joseph, he'd, but, uh, Joshua. God had guided Moses to lead the people across the Red Sea. Now he had guided Joshua to bring the people across the River Jordan. And so there was a dimension of loneliness. He had to lead the people. And uh, Samuel, there was a loneliness for Samuel. And uh, Ruth, coming from the Moabite background, a different racial group, etc., coming to Israel, there must have been some hard times there. And uh, do you think it was hard for David when he went with that uh, slingshot and headed down to face Goliath down the hill? By the way, do you know what Goliath's last words were? Nothing like this ever entered my mind before. You might reflect on it. But also we have the prophets Jeremiah and Queen Esther. There are a lot of heroes in the Old Testament who wrestled successfully with loneliness, but especially Jesus, as we read our New Testament. And you know, you can be lonely in a crowd. And you can be lonely by yourself. And do you reckon it must have been an exciting day when Jesus rode on the donkey into Jerusalem in fulfillment of those Old Testament prophecies? Fear not, daughter of Zion, your king comes riding on a donkey's colt, and all the crowd waving, Hosanna, welcome, and they thought he was going to get rid of the Romans, but he wasn't. In fact, just five days later, there was a loneliness on the cross that was absolutely devastating. And we hear the Lord Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Friends, before I leave that slide, never forget it's okay to ask God why. Because stuff happens in our journey that we don't always understand. It doesn't mean that Jesus got a prompt explanation and it doesn't mean you and I will get a prompt explanation. But God doesn't jump on us for asking why. In fact, to ask why is a statement of faith because we know there's someone to ask. If the atheist asks why, he has no one to ask. Why have you forsaken me? But we need to remember that Jesus understands in moments of loneliness in our journey. I submit to you that it's quite epidemic in our culture, and I'll say some more about that as we go. But Jesus understands. So what then are the perils of loneliness? One is promiscuity, two lonely hearts. Another is self-pity, poor me, we'll have a pity party. Another is wasting time, the internet and television and the like. Another is various addictions that would dull the pain or bitterness or friendships that take me away from God, especially a long-term commitment like friendship with the unsaved. But uh, do you know the legend regarding the image of the idol in the home of Potiphar? 
Joseph had gone to the house to do his household chores. And when he went into the bedroom, that's when she grabbed his garment and said, lie with me. And Joseph was wise enough to say, how could I sin against the Lord? And the legend is that Potiphar's wife grabbed a sheet and put it over the top of the idol in the room and said, now it's okay, God won't see. And in the legend, Joseph said, my God always sees what happens in our lives. Isn't that a grand thought? Wherever you and I go, God sees what is happening, what others are doing or want to do to us. So she covered the idol, but it didn't change things. So some of us know an old song about the piano man. I'm drinking a drink called loneliness, but it's better than drinking alone. And I've reflected on how some of the radio and TV breakfast shows, there's two or three of them. It's almost as if when you're tuned in, you're kind of allowed to think that you're part of a little group, even if they have no idea what you're saying or have no real interest in what you're saying. But uh, there's a dimension there where there's a pretend group uh, to be part of. And I think one of those, that slide is one of the most beautiful pictures because it sort of reminds me that in my journey I can reach up to the mighty hand of God and know that he's there and that he cares and that he understands, just like a little child reaching up to a parent. So what's the cure of loneliness? One, remember who you are. And secondly, remember those who love you. Never forget there are people who love us in our world who may not always express it so well, but remember those who love you and remember your dreams. For the kids, having been at camp and had some dreams of what God's going to do in your one and only life, remember your dreams. And then study. Learn about others who've been there. That's a picture of a very famous missionary called Adoniram Judson. He had a dream to, that God wanted him to go as a missionary to what we now call Myanmar. In those days, they called it Burma. And during his years in that country, he was there seven years before his first convert. There was a war between Britain and the Burmese government, and the Burmese government imprisoned the white man thinking he was British when, in fact, he was American, and he was in jail. While he was in jail, his wife brought food to him right through the time until finally the American ambassador secured his release. Eight days later, Judson's wife died. There was a loneliness there. And yet he was faithful in translating the scriptures so that those translations that he did in the 19th century are still read today. But cultivate time alone with God. Just in this past week, I had someone wanted to talk to me and the pastor, the four of us listened uh, to the interaction regarding a marriage that's under significant pressure. And he said, but what can I do? I said, starting place is to focus and strengthen your time alone with God and let it be linked with your sense of destiny. Things can happen in our journey that we don't think really matter very much. When I was at high school, they made me goalie of the soccer team. Uh, you're tall. You can be the goalie. That probably means you can reach from each end of the goal mount. There was one unforgettable match when the score was 21 to 1, and it was against us. 
And I went home and I said, Dad said, what was the score today? And I said, well, um, the other side saw 21. He said, what code were you playing? (laughs) I said, it was soccer. I quit soccer after that match and I turned to athletics. And God used it because in those years of doing wind sprints and training and preparing for those different races and athletic events, I learned to discipline and to push myself, which was to carry me in great stead in the years that followed in ministry. Because ministry can bury a dimension of loneliness just as surely. In fact, my dad got his leg all shot up in the war, and so he had to find a hobby. Uh, It wasn't going to be sport anymore. And he chose illusions, magician, magic, that stuff. Not black magic, I do know the difference. And at 14, I was a boy magician performing on the Melbourne Town Hall stage. And then a couple of months later, it was the Brisbane City Hall stage. And some of my friends were in the audience when I was doing all the tricks. What do you think they asked me at school the next day? How did you do the tricks? And what is a magician not allowed to tell? The secrets. Do you think they liked it when I wouldn't tell them? And yet God was preparing me for leadership in the loneliness that came with that experience. When I became superintendent with the Wesleyan Church, there were some lonely times when decisions were made that were not always well received down line. And so the loneliness part of what God let happen in those early years were a significant part of the journey. And God can use the hard times. If there are loneliness moments in your journey, let it feed your sense of destiny. So... Let's go back to Joseph. All his experiences were preparing him for his life's work. There was that dream as a boy, and he remembered his dreams. And then he learned to be obedient to leadership. One of the lessons I have to affirmed over the years to churches is trust God in the leadership through your pastor and the church board. Be sure that you are loyal to leadership. Uh, Obedience to leadership is important. And then personal purity. When Joseph was tempted, he said no, even though it cost him. And yet God used that to put him in the jail where he could meet the butler. God was actually at work behind the scenes. And then he had administrative experience, as I said, working with the public service, which I think is an oxymoron for those of you who like that word. So, but you see, his forgiveness cost him. Have a look at chapter 42 of Genesis. And you'll find that when the brothers arrive, there are a number of times when Joseph left the room to weep. It cost him to forgive. Now, I've heard a speaker say, oh, well, Joseph was getting even with them. No, no, no. Joseph, when he put the arranged for the cup to be in the bag for Benjamin, later in the story, and they sent the troops out to rescue the 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 cup ostensibly, He was putting them in a position where they could see that they'd learned their lesson and forgive themselves. That's worth reflecting on. Joseph was putting his brothers in a position where they could go off to to, to Israel and abandon. No, no, no. They chose not to abandon their brother. They had learned their lesson. And Joseph had planned that, I believe, very carefully to be sure that he was ministering to his brothers. So much so, actually, that when dad died, 
they were scared stupid and they said, oh, oh Joseph, we've got a message for you. Dad said that when he died, you would leave us alone. Don't give us a hard time. Joseph left the room to weep. All the memories that came back. And he said, friends, God, you meant evil, but God meant it for good to bring to pass the results for this people. Don't be afraid, I will care for you. There was a dynamic where Joseph was helping his brothers see that they had changed. It was a ministry, even though it cost him. And uh, his overall faith, God meant it for good. For each of us, whatever is happening in our journey, the home front, the other experiences of our journey, friends, never forget God is going to use it. And when loneliness comes, and it will, that's a normal human experience, never let it forget. Now, there's times when people have done some mean and nasty stuff and we feel like giving them their lunch with helpings. But to hold a grudge is to doubt the judge. The scripture says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And so it is. Uh Uh-huh. It works with kids. Maybe it worked better with this thing than I'd (laughs) realise. Unforgiveness always intensifies loneliness. If somebody's done something that has hurt you and you haven't forgiven, it's going to make you feel even more alone. Learn that lesson. Do we, how many of you remember Lindy Chamberlain? Probably the greatest injustice in Australia's history. That dear mother lost her little babe. There were poor marks on the sand in their tent and bloodstains on the garments. And Lindy said the child was uh, clothed in a jumpsuit. And the, uh, the scientist said, oh, no, that stuff on the floor of the Tirana was um, beetle blood. Later it was found to be rust-proofing. And Lindy was found guilty of a crime she never committed, a Christian girl, and spent four years doing hard labor until in God's amazing providence, someone was doing some exploring in the ranges. And what do you think they found in the dingo's lair? a child's jumpsuit, and she was vindicated. But all those experiences, in fact, when I was researching for a book that I'm just about finished writing on the subject of forgiveness, I was fascinated to read the best place I could, when I started doing, I'm not big on internet and all that stuff, but I I did a search and found there was a Catholic magazine that had all the details of Lindy's journey, and I thought, isn't that amazing? God is using that girl to minister across the denominations with her message about forgiveness. And a lot of people think, this is what she writes, that forgiveness is to let the other person feel better. I think forgiveness is all about you. What you are doing by stewing about something that somebody has done wrong to us is renting them a room in our head And that is the most private space we have. Whoops, let's go back. I want that for a minute longer. There we are. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? When we stew on something somebody has done to hurt us, we are renting them a room in our head and we are allowing them to continue to hurt us. 
when we forgive, we can release and leave the past under the blood. That was the wonder of the cross. And God was able to forgive us. So, uh, I, I gather, you salvationists, has anybody been an officer out of you lot? I have no idea. Yes, there's a, a, a weary nod there. <laughs> there's a nod there. <laughs> Here's a gem you may enjoy, but it, it's very possibly relevant, just in case you know somebody who's been hurt. Here's an interesting thought. Uh, how many fellows were sent to, to the fiery furnace again? C- can you remember? How many were there? Three. But it, it appears to me as if there's a fourth one there. And I think I remember reading that the fourth one is like under the Son of God. One of the unforgettable moments in ministry for me was a dear friend who taught, drew attention to the fact that they were thrown into the fire, bound hand and foot. But the picture tells me they were walking around because the only thing that was burnt was the ropes. Here's a quote you may enjoy. I think I put it up there, actually. No, I didn't. Never mind. The quote that was worth having when I figure it out to get back there. When we are obedient to the Father's will, the fires that other people light under us Do not harm us, they set us free. When we are obedient to the Father's will, the fires that other people light to give us a hard time, do not harm us, they set us free. So, but some other ideas. It was a universal problem before the fall. As a matter of fact, Genesis chapter 2 and 18, the good Lord says, it was not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And uh, there it is. It was the first thing in creation that was not good and it came before sin. Loneliness was not good. And so God gave us the concept of marriage And the Lord Jesus instituted a New Testament version of the ancient people of God. We call them the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church, uh, the Christian church. And every leader leads time alone. If he's always available, he's not worth enough when he is available. If you were to look on my telephone to have Pastor David's phone number, you will find after it, I've got Friday marked because that's his day off. And I'm sure you all know that and you realise not to call him on Fridays or Saturdays. Don't bug him on his day off because we all need time to recharge our batteries. If he's always available, he's not worth enough when he is available. That's important to be respecting that dynamic. But I do need to mention the wonder of small groups because small groups include regular attendance if the group is going to administer well and sharing as honestly as we can, appropriately, and keeping the confidences of others in the group, being loyal to each other, and making sure there is no gossip. Small group life is a key to spiritual awakening. By the way, do you get the impression that there's been some significant changes in the last 20-odd years? Can I talk to the Rinkleys for a minute? Do you notice a few changes? I came across a quote that I liked when I was thinking about old Paul, Paul as he became, and Silas in jail. And the quote says, When foundations are shaken, doors fly open unexpectedly. Did the door of the jail fly open when the foundations were shaken? 
Are there some doors flying open in our fair land and around the world today as values are being challenged and foundations being shaken? I believe as a believer, we can be optimistic of what God is going to do in our day. Amen? Wish you lot were a bit more caro. Can we try that again? Uh, (laughs) What God is going to do in our day? Amen. It is amen. So, uh, the true friendship is experienced in the small group. Uh, Does that remove the pain of loneliness? Storms are part of life. They show us what is temporary in our lives. And remember always, God limits the pain. Reflect on the story of Job and God limits the pain. And in the next chapter, Job comes back for a second gallop and God limits the pain. And the Lord Jesus speaking to Peter shortly before his departure says, Satan has desired to have thee, Peter, but I have prayed for you. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Remember, God limits the pain. I could give you some more verses on that if you want them after. But he promises to use it for our benefit because we go through it. We grow through it. Uh, There's a Bible verse that's one of my favorites that says, all things working together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Does that mean everything that happens in our lives, if we love God, are working for our benefit? Now, let's just peck on uh, the campers for a minute. Was anybody unhappy about the COVID during camp? I would reckon. But God brought good out of it. Sometimes wet weather can bind a camp together. You know, my first camp with the Wesleyans was we only had a dozen kids. Then we ended up with 180 of them in the last years of my leadership of those camps. But the different experiences of camp were growing those kids with a sense of calling and a sense of destiny. All things work together for good if we love him. Don't miss it. But it's not so much a lack of people as it is a lack of purpose. Discovering God's plan for our lives, beginning with people, being with people with a common purpose. And so we have to say, God, what on earth am I here for? So we are finding his plan. And every experience in my life is equipment for ministry. Childhood, teenage years, my years of school teaching. Some of you probably figured out I was a school teacher by now. (laughs) And then the years of ministry, all of them experiences that were preparing me for the chapter. So how then do we handle it? Accept it's part of life and we learn to pace ourselves and build positive relationships. By the way, why do you reckon all the kids were cracking up this morning as they were sharing about the camp? Because the relationships had become so precious to them and they had seen their friends grieving over sin and displeasing God and caring and they became part of something that was a movement and I'm very thrilled about that. What's more, no bitterness. Remember, bitterness drains us. Instead, and here's one of the hard ones, but the good book says, bless those who persecute you. God, bless their socks off, eh? And then let the pain strengthen your praying and your sense of destiny to be nourished and read about visionaries. The class that I was teaching yesterday morning, one of the students misunderstood the time of starting was a small group, and so we had to wait till the telephone woke up or got them going, 
And I just, we were just chit-chatting and I ended up mentioning stories from church history of how God had marvelously moved. And I was fascinated to watch the, uh, the student who was particularly taking this in, sort of catching some story. Did you know that William Tyndale went to Germany to translate part of the Bible? And while he was there, he arrived at a particular inn to stay overnight. And uh, as the saddlebags were being unloaded, the lad who was out there to do it made a mistake and slipped them and the documents landed all over the floor of the uh, courtyard. And there was a German former monk who was standing there who helped to pick them up. And he turned to William Tyndale, the Englishman, and he said, What are all these? What are you doing with these? And Tyndale turned to Martin Luther and said, I'm making a translation of scripture for the people back in England. Was that an accident, do you think? Was God not wonderfully at work in that moment in history? And here we were with just a hold up because the connection hadn't happened. And I could just tell another story of how God had provided And remember Jesus. Whenever we find loneliness, remember he understands. Now, this one's an interesting one. Uh, God has never said, Gabriel, would you fetch the file on Pastor Don? No, he hasn't. Because the very number of hairs on our head are numbered. And that's, for me at least, a a diminishing quantity. (laughs) But God knows every little detail. That little sad something that happened, God knows about it and he cares and he can give us the strength. Now, I began by telling you a story about a nerd who was on the way home from school carrying too many books and when he didn't see the gutter, he tripped and the books fell on the ground and a Christian lad went over to help him. But speech night came and at speech night, this lad who now had become ducks of the school stood and told everybody why he was carrying so many books at once. Because he was so discouraged, he was planning to commit suicide and he was trying to save his parents the pain of going to school and collecting his textbooks. What a significant thank you to a guy who just helped somebody whose books had landed on the ground. But there's a dynamic there where you and I can be watching for the one who is lonely to give them a word of encouragement from our Christian journey and to pray for them, which I want to do for you right now. Now, Father, we've touched on a number of issues in regards to loneliness, and we thank you for the reminder that Jesus understands when we go through those experiences. We thank you for the reminder that when we forgive, we release the past, and the aggressor, and we are able then to enjoy the next chapter of our journey as you have planned it for us, and that we can see purpose in all of the experiences, including the hard ones that toughen us up. So I pray for this, people. I pray, Lord, for those who are catching this message on the DVD, video stream, whatever, that you'll minister to them and bless them. For the extended family that have come to celebrate this day for David and Talia. Pray a special blessing in their circles of ministry for this chapel and the people who come here week by week to worship. 
use these days to deepen our love for you. Thank you for the songs that we can sing and the beautiful music of this church. Lord, you have been so good to us in a land where there is freedom to worship and to study and to grow in our faith. We pause to pray for Christians for whom that is not so and ask that you will multiply their numbers so they'll drive their persecutors crazy. Beyond that, Lord, we are praying for a spiritual awakening across this south land of the Holy Spirit that will touch the world. So as we read our Bibles each day and talk to you in prayer, we pray that you will be gladdened, that our lives will honour you, and that your anointing will be upon us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.